You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number three. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Bottom of the hour, we'll give you our locks for this evening, courtesy of Calgary Lock and Safe. Um, we'll talk about, of course, Matthew Phillips scores against the Flames last night. And we'll talk about shootouts in overtime, Matty. We'll talk to you about that. I, like, I why? I don't want to do it. No, but just why? Why are the Flames no good at that? Why? It just I makes no sense to me. I don't know what you're talking about. They hit the post twice in the shootout. They were fine. Like, you, you're making it sound like they threw it into the logo three times or they missed the net. I get they it. They beat the netminder twice, George. I don't okay. want to hear that they need to practice the shootout three games in after losing one shootout because Evgeny Kuznetsov cheats. I'm saying it, he cheats. All right. It's within the rules, but he's uh, cheating in my I mind. like your I passion. Like I like your passion. I like your fire. I, I like our next guest, too, on the Atlas Pizza and Sportswear guest hotline, Dennis oh, I Bernstein. I thought we were getting Senior writer, fourth period, Sirius XM NHL Radio joins us. Uh, Dennis, is uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov a cheater or no? <laughs> An overtime loss for the Calgary Flames? A loss after 60 minutes? No. Not it them. It never happened 17 Not times. I don't, George, is it, you know what? I'll give you equivalency. Um, the tush push is uh, oh. off it, no, to, as, as to hockey. Uh, I don't know what you can do. He keeps moving forward. He moves. He skates two miles an hour. What do you do? He's not breaking the rules. Yeah. It, so it, he it, has the cheating. Uh, explain he's yourself. Ma- he's making me upset. That's the biggest thing that, that I don't like about it. <laughs> so I'd like it to you be know, out, there's another outlawed. option, George. Yep. George, there's another option. Make the save. Mm. Okay. <laughs> they never make the save. That's yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like I already think the shootout is so tilted against the goaltenders, and then you go and do this. And listen, I'm not going to get too tied yeah. up about it because I only have to see it maybe once a year watching the Flames. But yeah, I just. <laughs> um, Dennis, I talked about this earlier. Um, have they sucked the fun out of three on three? Because it used to be so awesome. And watching that three-on-three yeah. last night between the Flames and the Capitals, just the circling back all the time. And I get why they do it. You wait yeah. for your opportunity. But what what happened to fun three-on-three, Dennis, in the NHL? You're right. Strategy, analytics, I guess. You're right, George. It's not the same. It wasn't, it, what, this wasn't the intention of the league. It was to get, I guess, quick... Uh, Conclusions to games after you know after sixty minutes. So yeah, it, it's not it's not the same as it once was. You expect more high flying hockey, and a lot of times you don't, which then results in the shutouts, the shootouts that Maddie hates. So it's uh, <laughs> self, I guess, defining prophecy at this point in time, where you know after a couple of years, coaching staffs get acclimated to what works and what doesn't work. They go to this strategy, and you're right, it's not as compelling as it once was. Uh, Dennis, I remember a day when uh, games used to tie after regulation. Uh, what if we did that now? What if we just abolished three-on-three three and the shootout? And uh, would that force teams to maybe, I don't know, Dennis, call me crazy, try to win in 60 minutes? No. Then okay. you see what you saw. You know, it's funny. I, I went back to uh, last year's season, the Kings like came within one point of setting the uh, franchise record for points in the season. And I went back to the team, I think it was 74-75, that set the record. They had 17 ties. 
So, George, I think you have a situation mm. where the lesser teams will play for the tie, and then you'll have teams with 20 ties. And that was an, and you know, us Americans, we love conclusions to games and that's the whole thing. You want a conclusion to the game. You don't, you don't want to deal with ties like to do it. Okay. English premier league all around the world in soccer. So I, I get it. I, I just think that that's what will happen. Georgia safety first. There's still a lot of safety first coaches. If this was a run and gun league, then maybe, but at this point, I just think you'd have a, a bunch of ties in the column. And then the reason why we did go to extra time and shootouts uh, was the original reason why. Yeah, and then you take a penalty, and I don't know if there's anything more discouraging than when your group takes a penalty in overtime, and now you get the four on three, which feels like an yeah. auto goal most of the time. Uh, it's, I'm I, I get very frustrated with the overtime. <laughs> I, I really do like overtime in the playoffs. Let me say that much. That is that is my bread and butter. But we can't have that, and I understand. Um, there is a few. I guess notable headlines as far as transactions go around the league. Connor Garland has requested a trade. Shane Pinto, we don't know what's going on there. I guess let's start in Vancouver. What have you heard on Connor Garland? What could be happening with the Canucks as far as trying to move his salary out and work with his trade request? Well, they uh, Connor Garland changed his agent to uh, Jordan Moldaver of, uh, uh, of Wasserman. And he's the guy that, if you don't know, he cut the deal for Austin Matthews in Toronto, the four-year deal. So he's a, he's a high-powered agent. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen right now, Matty, uh, because there's got to be salary retention from Vancouver. It's got to be probably a million, a million to a half, because Connor Gollins' cap it, I think, is not four, nine, seven, five. And who's taking that on? You know, right now, two games into the season or three games into the season, with half the teams probably at the salary cap. So he, he will eventually get moved, but i got to think it's a time where a team can accrue uh, – uh, more uh, cap space to make that happen. So, you know, maybe in Edmonton, always looking for middle six help. Uh, that they may be option Columbus, Nashville, uh, possibly Winnipeg as well. So uh, it, it's going to happen, but I, there's no time frame. Um, uh, so I'm thinking you're looking at more towards the trade deadline in February and March than you do in October or November, short of some injury. And I'll give you an example, like in L.A., when Victor Arvidsson just went on LTIR, he's going to yeah. have back surgery. A team like that that, have, that may have some cap space due to LTIR, they might go for Garland. But you're going to swing internally at this point in time. You have an injury like the Kings have. Um, you're probably going to wait to, again to like game 30 to 40 before you see a guy like Connor Garland move at this point. What have you made of the Canucks' first couple of games, getting a couple of wins, including the blowout over the Oilers? Well, I don't think anybody that covers the game didn't laugh at the first game. Eight one, you know, like okay, <laughs> no, we're fine and go, and we're good on defense. And well, again, they didn't have Oak at home the first game, so uh, good. Vancouver's going to score a lot of goals, and they have a defensive mind coach and Tockett. I, I, they could they do damage? Well, you look at the first two games, and, and man, you would think that the Edmonton response at the home at home after losing eight to one would be to win that game, right? And they didn't. So good on Vancouver. Good on Vancouver. I still question their blue line. I think that's the, the question. Will they keep the puck out of the net? Um, they did the first two games against Edmonton, but all these teams are trying to find their way. But it's a nice start for Vancouver. And they, if they can find some defensive consistency, then they can make some noise and possibly be a wild card team. I, I just don't see because I just don't have enough faith in that blue line to stop the puck that much this season. Uh, Dennis, ask this to Nick Kiprios early on. going to ask you the same question. Who has a better blue line goaltending situation? Oilers or Leafs? <laughs> uh, Oilers because they won one more round last season, but it's close. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's close right now. It's you know I, I feel bad for Jack Campbell who's 
as everybody knows, the greatest guy, great teammate, goes out there the first game and gets lit up 8-1. Um, it's close. You know what it is, George? When you ask that question, it means that both those pairings uh, aren't, aren't championship worthy, right? Mm-hmm. If this is going to be the way we're going to play defense the first two games, and again, things can change over time, but it, it's not Vegas's blue line. It's not Colorado's blue line when they won. It wasn't Tampa's when they won. So, yeah, that's that's the weakness to these teams. They're a lot of fun to watch. They're powerful. You look at Austin Matthews out of the box. Both these teams will score a lot of goals. But as we learned, one team went out in one round. The other team went out in two. That, that doesn't cut in the postseason. Do you think there's a scenario where Edmonton tries to do something with their goaltending? Or they're just so hamstrung with the salary cap and this Jack Campbell contract that they're pretty much stuck? I think they're stuck, George. I think that's a situation where you would look to next off season, where they're going to run another with year, guys. Dennis. And another year of them yeah, not potentially they, winning I, a I, cup. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look. What, what, what's the option? Like to trade for who? Connor Hellebuck was going to be the guy yeah. to leave Winnipeg, and he's not the guy. So now it's the next guy up. Maybe John Gibson. I don't know. I got to see John Gibson play this season. He, he hasn't been good, and he's got a six million dollar cap hit. Maybe Pavar Beek doesn't want to retain money. So I don't see, here's the thing. I don't see the other better option unless you're going to go big and try to trade for Soros in Nashville. Well, I was about to it's say not that. Really got, yeah. I, I don't know. It depends what Nashville does this season. Maybe they have designs on a, a wall card spot. So that could be an option. But again, again, that's, that's definitely like two days from the trade deadline, because I don't think that Trotz is going to give up the ghost that easily with respect to his Nashville team because he's trying to make an impression first year running the show in Nashville. Well, and then you'd have to deal with the Jack Campbell contract as well, right? Like you between yeah, Soros, yeah. Campbell, and Skinner, all of a sudden it's like fifteen million dollars in net. You'd need like a five team trade, Maddie, which <laughs> never happens in the NHL, <sighs> so we can scratch that off the base. But yeah, they're stuck right now. Teams make commitments, they trade for guys and they make their best guesses. It happened here in Los Angeles with Cal Peterson. They're almost a similar contract to what Jack Campbell has. Sometimes you're stuck, and sometimes you got to – and here's the thing. You don't need great goaltenders. You need great goaltending in the playoffs. You need 915, 920, 925. Yeah. Are they going to get it from one of these two guys? No, but you would think on that team, like, stop the, stop the shots you need to stop. But they got run over by Vegas last in, you know, in the second round. And do they look any better? Do they have better equipped to beat Vegas? I don't know if you guys have watched Vegas. They're ready. <laughs> They're ready to play the playoffs right now. Now, there's yeah. injuries. And they've been doing it without Martinez and Whitecloud to start. Like, that's a deep, dangerous team. So, to answer your question, I think they're stuck for a variety of reasons. I don't see the, the, the trade that would make them better in net. And yeah. I certainly agree with the Manny that the, the Campbell contract is a major obstacle in trying to get uh, goaltending help at this point. Uh, Dennis, we want to ask you about Shane Pinto, but want to ask you this first. Remember at the end of the playoffs when everybody said, oh, Mark Stone gave his body for this championship. It'll never be the same. It's got, it's got a lot of Shea Weber vibes all around it. All of a sudden, he's parading around with the cup. He's at the football game. He's being Mark Stone. What happened to him being so ridiculously hurt that he's not going to be the same player anymore, Dennis? Back surgeries, George? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to go through that. Yeah. But look, sometimes backs are, are, are difficult things to maintain playing in the National Hockey League, much less any sport. Um, it, it worked and he's got a great team in front of him and he doesn't yep. have to be, you know, he does play 20 minutes a night, but he doesn't have to, because there's such depth and balance on that team. And like sometimes, you know, modern medicine does work. It took two back surgeries, but he looks like the player of old. He's galvanized and energized and they're, they're primed to make a, you know, to, 
Jordan, I said it before on this show. Like, if I'm a criminal and McPhee and I look around and see what teams didn't do in the offseason, the only the biggest move was Eric Carlson going to Pittsburgh and they don't look any better. I'm really confident I compete. If I can stay healthy, mm. McPhee and McCrimmon, they might not have to make a move at the deadline. If this is the team going into the playoffs, they got a really good shot at repeating. Dennis Bernstein, a senior writer for the fourth period. You hear him on Sirius XM NHL radio, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Now, the Senators obviously want Shane Pinto in the fold. Can't really find the cow space. Haven't gotten together on yeah. a deal. And we're seeing teams, Dennis, dress like 17 guys because of all these salary yeah. cap issues. How is that being, you know, perceived around the league? The guys you talk to as general managers upset about this, like just how tight the salary cap is. Is this even good for the game right now that there all these teams are having all these issues a couple games into the season? Well, it's good for one respect, George. It's good for one respect because you're in this predicament because you're acquiring players and giving I'll give an example. Like when the Kings acquired Dubois and they signed him to that big contract. And then Victor Arvidsson gets hurt and uh, Kaliev gets suspended. So they had to play one game, 11 and six. So it's, it's a circumstance of 83.5. And this is a, this is the final season. We'll see stuff like this. Is it fair? No, but it's a situation where if you get two forwards hurt or two defensemen hurt, you're jammed up because you got no cap room unless it's a long-term injury like Arvidsson was, you're really sc- uh, scrambling. So there's two teams, Ottawa and LA, that play with less than, the, uh, th- than what they uh, could have played with because of the salary cap. So I-, I don't hear general managers complaining about it because they're going in all in. You know, look, the Kings didn't have to trade for Dubois. They could have used that cast space for maybe a better goaltender or whatever and had a little cushion. Some teams don't have cushions because it's so competitive. Don't you care fall behind? Uh, there's 12 teams that probably have the zones on winning a Stanley cup. So you go all in, you go to the cap, a guy gets hurt and now you're shorthanded. So that's it. So now over time throughout the season, you accrue time, uh, a salary cap space. But right now in the moment you have these circumstances with Pinto. I don't know what happens there. Like they'll have to make a trade to accommodate that player uh, and that contract. So that's a tough situation, but he's not going to set up the season, George. They're going to have to cap, you know, by December 1st, if he's not on the roster, he can't play. That doesn't happen. Players don't skip years. So that that's the situation in Ottawa right now. They're going to have to find, you know, a balance. They got to find a bridge contract to make it doable, maybe make a trade. People have talked about Matthew Joseph. It's sticky for some teams right now, but again, that's the function of 83.5 salary cap for the last couple of seasons. There's uh, five teams that have yet to get a regulation win. The Kings, the Sharks, the Kraken, the Sabres, and the Oilers. Uh, Four of those teams I think a lot of people looked at and said they could be playoff teams. Do you think any of these teams could have a disappointing year? Oilers, Sabres, Kraken, Sharks, or Kings? Well, Sharks I don't really want to include there because we know what they're going to be. But the other four. They're terrible. Yeah, Mm, yeah, very much. You know, I I made the mistake in Buffalo to tell them that I love their team this season. Of course, they go out and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they lose too. Uh, the team, guys, the team I'm worried about is uh, I would worry about would be Seattle. They scored okay. two goals in three games, and now Tanev is out six to eight weeks. He's a key contributor. Is McCann, McCann scored a goal, but is he going to score forty goals against? And this was the team that remember five on five last season. They were the highest scoring team. It wasn't Edmonton. It wasn't Toronto. It was Seattle. When I see out of the box, they scored two goals, and you think, okay, maybe that was a mirage last year with respect to the scoring. Well, so far it is. That's the one team that might take a step back. I agree with you on San Jose. It's going to be a terrible season in San Jose. Not surprised about Edmonton, but the one team I'm, um, 
I'm a little concerned about would be Seattle due to the lack of scoring in the first three games. You know, the one thing about the Kraken, and I've talked about this on our show, and I felt like it was the Flames the year before that. They weren't supposed to be as good as they were to start the season. They took a lot of teams by surprise. Last year, I thought the Kraken did that. Second-year expansion team, not going to be very good, but they took a lot of teams by surprise early on the season. They were able to build that into a playoff spot. Do you see anything right now as far as any teams that are having success that you maybe didn't expect that they could ride it into the postseason? I think the Canucks might be one of those teams, but I'm wondering if there's anybody else that kind of comes to mind as a team that could catch some groups by surprise to start the season. Mm, uh, I just, mm, maybe Detroit, maybe Detroit. And, you know, a lot of people, and me included, um, wrote off Boston, not from a sense that, hey, they're, they're a bad team. But remember, 135 points, getting knocked out in the first round. Bergeron and Krejci aren't there, so they're going to regress. But the, the one thing about Boston that you really like, if you watched them the first two games, their defense and goaltending is stellar. Like they, and as predicted, they're not going to score a lot of goals. They've scored six goals in two games, but they've only given up three. So that Swayman, Olmark combination of Nets really good. Their defense is still good. I think they'll be challenged to score um, uh, to score this season. But maybe they do contend with Toronto for the top of the division. That's the only one. Detroit, I'm still not sold on. It just I don't see a lot of chemistry on that team at this point in time. And if they ever get some goaltending, maybe Ottawa makes some. So, so I think that the teams that might sneak around. Because I think if you watch Tampa Bay play, and guys, you know, they say, oh, we can do without Vasilevsky, and they've given up 14 goals in three games, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they can't do without Vasilevsky, and then Florida doesn't look that great either. So I, I think there's some, the teams that are knocking at the door in the Atlantic, Buffalo, who, as you mentioned, hasn't started great, but Detroit and Ottawa, they may have an opportunity here to sneak in the top three of these teams' regress. And I, I think Tampa Bay and Florida will regress. The question on Boston is, will they have enough scoring to support their great defensive goaltending, which actually might help them in the playoffs. They actually might be a better team in the playoffs this season than last season because they're going to have to really focus on defense at this point. Dennis, we all watch the Penguins, and I know you mentioned uh, you maybe aren't particularly that high on Pittsburgh. Are they a playoff team? They're a playoff team, and then they'll lose in the first round, like they always do since they won the Stanley Cup. So that's it. I think they're a walkout team. Look, I, I still think when you handicap it in the Metro – it's Carolina, New York, um, and New Jersey. Okay, so that will leave Pittsburgh as a wild card team. I think they're good enough to be a wild card team. I just don't. I just think. Look, by the time we get to April, that's another year on these guys who are in their mid thirties and upper thirties bodies. Is the goaltending going to be there? Jari looks good early, but mm, you know, do we trust them in the playoffs? I just look at their track record, George, and say, yes, they're a playoff team. They could get in there. They only missed by one point when they should have been in the playoffs last year, and we have a totally different narrative. If they had beaten Chicago, which they lost to again in the revenge game to start the season. Uh, but I don't have any faith in them in the playoffs. Uh, I think if they play, let's say, a, a Toronto or a Carolina, they lose in five. So nothing that Kyle Dubas did, and the only thing he really did of consequence was to bring in Eric Carlson. Does it make them better for the playoffs? I don't see it. I think they get in. I think they're eliminated in one round. Dennis, who's the worst team in the league? The Habs, the Ducks, or the Sharks? Sharks. Habs. Don't even hesitate. The Habs are very good. They're not very good, but I don't think they belong in that category. Well, they're plucky, Yeah, but they're (laughs) they're still very young, and they still have a ton of holes in their lineup. They don't have Mike Hoffman on their top one. Yeah. They're, they're on the right track, though. I, I, th- yeah. I think if you're a Hassan, I know, George, you are him. I think if you look at them saying, okay, Kent Hughes, they, you know, 
they, they, it looks like he knows what he's doing, right? And and you got to give yep. this time. Please, they love the coach there. If you if you saw the ovation he got the opening night in Montreal, Saint Louis, he could coach there for life. Well, I don't know for life. If they lose fifty six games, maybe not. But um, San Jose's got a huge rebuilding. Mike Greer's got you know. Careful what you wish for sometimes. Like that's the team that you pick, Mike. Okay, well yep. we'll see. But it's it's not been good. But but they got a great game out of Mackenzie Blackwood. Believe it or not, so they got you got fifty saves out of them, but they're clearly the worst team in the end from a from a paper standpoint, and in a highly competitive division that San Jose is in, um, they're certainly going to think be trailing the bottom, looking to be the first pick for uh, get the first pick for Calabrini in the in the summertime. Now, Dennis, can you talk me into Slavkovsky being a star one day? <laughs> uh, how do you define star in this league? Thirty goal scorer, all star. Um. Well, you could be the best player on a bad team and be an all-star. Yeah. So Leo maybe. Komarov. Is he going to be? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is he? <laughs> is he, he going to be a dominant player, George? No. Can he be a thirty-goal scorer in this league? I think so. It depends on his line mates. It depends who else he's playing. He's not really playing with, you know, he's not playing with the two top guys. He's not playing with Caulfield and, and Suzuki. So, can I convince you he's going to be a star in this league? Is he a top ten goal scorer in this league? Probably not. It, can he contribute to a winning? solution in Montreal at some point, a couple seasons down the line, he can, but I would definitely manage my expectations on a guy who was, yes, a first overall pick, but, you know, as you see in New York, it's tough sometimes being a first overall pick, George. Is Lafreniere going to stay there, though? Or he needs a change of scenery? Um, well, we'll see how the team does. We'll see how he does under Laviolette, because it wasn't working on Gallant. And I would, I would trust Laviolette to get the best out of Lafreniere. So if it doesn't work with La with, with, with Laffey and Lavi, then yeah, I think you got to look at another option because the Kings, what, what are the Rangers going to do? What, what, for, what, what experienced coach would they bring in next season if Lavi doesn't work? I, I think this is kind of a last go around for Lafreniere. And then, yeah, look, 99% of the players get talked about 2% get traded, but could he get traded? Yeah. Anybody could get traded because again, if he underproduces, he may need a change of scenery, but mm. I would give him the season under Laviolette before I'd say, okay, it's time to move on. I think we've all been pretty impressed with Connor Bedard's NHL debut the first week in here, Dennis. But I'm curious as to what you've heard about Bedard as someone who works in the States, consumes hockey down in the States. How much have you heard about him, you know, just kind of going about your day-to-day covering the sport? Well, I'm hearing more about him than I would if he got drafted by Anaheim, which plays 10, 30 games, and nobody really cares about that team. So it's great that he's in Chicago. I think it's great. I think you look at the ratings of ESPN. It was the highest hockey game ever on ESPN, and that was because of Connor Bedard, right? I mean, a little bit because of Sid Crosby, and they, they're pushing it. And plus, he look, Maddie, he is so – like, it's not even the hockey stuff. It's like the off-eye stuff. It looks like he's been in the league for five to ten years because the way he's handling himself and handling all the attention, and they, they've done the right thing. You think it's a, it's a coincidence that he started in pits against, against Sid – then he's going to Montreal and Toronto and yep. all, the, all these stops in Boston, <laughs> right? They, 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 they put him in the right markets to start. So, yeah, there's a curiosity factor about Conor Bedard. It's a nice start for this team. They had a nice one in Toronto yesterday, which surprised me. I don't think the roster is that good at this point in time. But it's, he's being received very well. And whoever trained him on, on the, the media stuff and the non-hockey stuff, I said it's his parents and maybe some advisors, they did a great job because it seems to – he seems to be embracing this in a major New York city um, with a legacy of Kane and Taves. 
to live up to at some point in time. He's handling it really, really well. So it's impressive that he's on the ice, Matty. I think it's even more impressive that a kid who's 18 years old is handling all this attention very, very well. How much would you compare and contrast, you know, his off the ice early season compared to what Jonathan Taves was like when he entered the league? Um, well, he has the burden and the benefit of following those guys, right? So there's a there's a mindset of winning. But you know, before Jonathan Taves and Kane got there, I remember they were drawing six thousand at the United Center on a Tuesday night against Nashville. Like people didn't show up to the games, so they built that that structure. They're going to have you know, statues outside there. So it's nice to maybe to tap into those guys and talk to them about their experience in Chicago. Um, I don't think the expectations are and they've, they've done it well because they said, look, we have a great player. We are not a great team. We're not close. I think the expectations in Chicago market's a pretty savvy market with respect to expectations. It's not over the roof. They did sell a lot of tickets when they got them. So they know that eventually in three to four years, they may have a championship team or the championship stays again. So I think it staves off because it's recent history where they have won titles, where they're not starving for 35 years. They have it once in 67. That's not the case in Chicago. They can write a nice narrative. Okay, Taves and Kane gave us three cups. He's the guy to take us into the next great times in Chicago. So I think he's set up to win, and he's handled it very well. Dennis, uh, usually uh, the NHL maybe does things backwards or doesn't put too much thought into sometimes their schedule. I love what they're doing a week tonight where every team's in action and they're staggered starts for 15 yep. minutes. I think that's super smart. I think it's good on a Tuesday where you can have the national spotlight, at least some of it. Sure. Is this something we should be doing, you know, maybe every Tuesday moving forward? Because, you know, hey, Tuesdays, uh, every team in the NHL plays on Tuesday. You'll never see an intermission. There'll be constant action all the time mm-hmm. if you're a hockey fan. I like this that the NHL is doing this. And uh, red zone style, red zone so popular in the United yep. States. Why can't Tuesday night be the NHL where they have every team in action? Well, George, I'll say it to you this way: um, Do you think they're just going to Australia once? Nope. Do you think they're doing this once? Nope. They're trying it out to see how it works. I agree with you. And George, it's a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday league. Let's be real. That's yes. when we play the games. I think it's a great idea. And you're right. There's no NFL on Tuesday nights. Maybe two years from now, the NFL decide to play every night, yep. which wouldn't be great. But yes, they, they should absolutely do this. It's a trial balloon, George. But what I know, I know, I know about the league. They just don't do things once. So I would suspect that at some time down the line to see it again. I think it's a great idea. I think they should also do it. You know how they do it like in baseball, last game of the season. That might there might be some playoff implications. Playoffs start all the games at the same time. So yeah, I think they're going outside the box on this one. Great move. Love it. I watch Red Zone every Sunday. I'm sure you do, too. I think it's a great book move by the NHL, and they should do it in the future, you know, going forward as well. Yeah, I, I love it. It's a great idea. Hey, uh, they're going to play in the Olympics in 26, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that the, the ice is melted with respect to the PA in the league about that. I think mm-hmm. it, everybody's on the same page. Plus, the revenues are back. We don't have to worry about COVID. So I, I think it's trending in that way. And Marty Wall seems to be a little less combative than Don Fear was. So, yeah, I think they'll find a way to play in 2026, which I think we'll all welcome. But they still do want to do want to do the World Cup of Hockey, George, because it makes the it makes the league and the players money. So uh, we'll see. But I think it's trending towards Olympic participation in 2026. The, the only thing I think the wrench in all of this, Dennis, is can they do any of this without a Russian team? Because I don't think it's it's the same, and I don't think they should do without a Russian team. No. You know, they could stop the war, and then they could... No, I, I so, get it, no, but like, I, I think what, the, like unified team, I don't know what the hell they call them, but you can't have a best-on-best best 
without some of the best Russian players in the world in this tournament. It just wouldn't be the same. Yeah, but they're going to do it anyway because it's the Olympics. So, and, and it's not, you know, there are other players that want to play. You're going to penalize, let's say, Joe Pavelski not playing for the U.S. because Russia's involved in something that precludes them from bringing a team over? I don't think so. I think it's not fair to those players as well. So mm. uh, it won't be best on best, George. I get it. I don't think a unified team makes sense. You just won't have them participate. It's as simple as that. It won't be, you know, who's not going to tune in? Oh, that Russia's not playing? I'm not tuning in. I don't think so. If it was U.S. and Canada, nobody cares about Russia, Russia anyway because it'll yeah. be a U.S.-Canada final. So I don't think we want to rob ourselves of the great tournament and that t- potential matchup as well. I don't yeah. think the Russians would be united. They tried to be united and come out with a joint statement last uh, year, and they couldn't do it. Zadorov has talked about that. I don't know if they could do that even. So, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't count on it. I still think it would be an uh, amazing Olympics without them as well. And the players want to play. It's as simple as that. It's unfortunate that a mm-hmm. group of players won't play. But but the large majority do want to play, and if PA and NHL agree, then we'll we'll see hockey in the Olympics in 2026, which everybody I think wants. Yeah, that USA team's scary too, Dennis. Oh boy, uh, Canadian hockey fans up here going, who's going to stop the puck for Canada? But man, that USA roster looks damn good right now. Um, Dennis Bernstein, senior writer for the Fourth Period. You hear him on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Dennis, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. George Matty, thanks for having me on the big show. Always appreciate it. Uh, on the Atlas Beats and Sports Broadcast Hotline, Mr. Dennis Bernstein. See, we talked about some potential stuff. Connor Garland, decent player, playing your top six. Probably not going to move anytime soon unless someone has another injury and says all of a sudden, oh, we're missing a guy. Like, you know, we're hearing Kirby Doc, ACL, MCL. The Habs aren't a team that that makes sense no. for. But that's the type of injury that would allow you to have $5 million of cap space and go grab a Connor Garland. Um, our Winnipeg correspondent, uh, Mr. Patrick Dumas, mm. do the Jets make sense for Connor Garland? Because the Jets, uh, the Canucks apparently want some blue line help. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it makes sense. I think it's fine. Because like, I feel like it would have made a lot more sense if, if the Jets weren't dealing with Ville Heinola's, Heinola's injury. If they had him available, you might be able to think, okay, we can... Is like a, is a Nate Schmidt or, or maybe a Brandon Dillon on the table again there for a, for a like a straight up hockey swap. But right now, I mean, it is too early. Like we'll maybe get around U.S. Thanksgiving when we start seeing the you start seeing maybe some trades pop up. I think it makes sense. I don't know if it makes sense right now for the Jets. I think there's like Carolina is a possibility. I mean, like Columbus is in there. L.A. is a possibility, but uh, we'll see. Uh, right now, it's just gonna have to wait on uh, on more of this. Uh, accruement of uh, of cap space and everything because I don't think we're we're seeing any trades for for at least a couple months. I don't think there's a fit. I think they really like Appleton and I think they like I follow yeah. and yeah. there's no spot in the top six for them. No, as they're currently constructed, it's going to have to be injuries like Maddie said, like with, with with Doc or somebody somebody in that top six has to fall out of a mm-hmm. team that of a team that's yeah. like okay, we can't lose up, we we'll lose any more ground here. Yeah. You need to find a team that has high aspirations but has had a slow start and then suffers a debilitating injury to someone in their middle six. If all three of those things happen in like the next week, maybe Garland gets traded. Mm. All right. Uh, straight ahead through three games of the Calgary Flame season. Well, we'll talk about who's been the best player so far. Oh. Maybe the least sexiest thing the Flames are really good at. Mm-hmm. And uh, overtimes and shootouts. And our locks. Yes. We'll do that next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.
Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Got about 15 minutes to go before we say goodbye. I think we had some good locks yesterday on the show. Yeah. Uh, we all hit one. We all lost the other one. Uh, I was so close with Matt Coronado. So close. Um, I think the most bold call was uh, our man GVP. Harper hit home run. The Bryce Harper ding dong. I think the easiest one was just Maddie saying that Philly's going <laughs> to cheer loud for their it team in the easy. playoffs. It was easy. And then he got all defensive when we called him out on it. I don't know the stipulation. Well, okay. it's just like, like I thought what were, are you rating it up we against? Told, hey. like we, got, we got like a DB reader. Like how loud is it in Philly compared to how loud the Cowboys fans were out so far? Like 111 DBs yeah. after the Bryce Harper ding dong. Okay. Felt like a cop out. Yeah, I don't so think they ever got that win. high. Felt like a cop out. Mm. Yeah. Mailed it in for once. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's all right. It's all right. Just, it's just like when you go to first a First time event. I've ever done it. Get loud. One of the things. And clap. Like, loud. Everybody loud. clap your hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> Flames <laughs> off now till Thursday. Kind of weird, quirky schedule with uh-huh. this five-game road trip. And yeah. then they play Sunday afternoon at three. Ugh, I hate that so much. Sunday at three. Oh, they're in, they're in uh, Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Yeah, Sunday at three. Why do you... I hate it's, that. It's football. It's football, football Sunday. It's football. I got to watch all the football, and then I got to watch the Flames game right after. I guess. I mean, yeah. It's the middle set of games, though. Who cares? There's going to be like three games. Who cares? Of course I watch everything. <sighs> I'm not going to watch crap NFL Sunday in the middle of the afternoon. What do we got? Steelers, Rams, hard pass. Okay. Cardinals, Seahawks, no thanks. Packers, Broncos, no. Mm. Hey. I'm sorry, Patty. Chargers, Chiefs, that's the one game worth watching. Mm. Now you got a two-screen affair. Chargers Chiefs on one. Okay. Flames Red Wings on the other. The other three games are crap. Come on. Cardinals Seahawks. Steelers Rams. Okay. All right. I'm still going to watch football and then watch the Flames game after. And then I can focus solely on the Flames game <laughs> instead of that damn NFL. That sexy NFL. So you're going to start watching the Flames game at 9 o'clock at night after Dolphins-Eagles? Because I'm pretty sure I'm going to make sure I'm done the Flames game before Dolphins-Eagles. No, yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch it after. And when it's all like, you can get it condensed and you can skip the commercials and the intermission yeah. and just watch the game. I watch it on my Sportsnet Plus app. There you go. I've enjoyed Sportsnet Plus so far. This it's been week. good. Yeah, it's great. And I just fast forward through the commercials. Did you know that you can... Unless it's a Save on Foods commercial. Did you oh, I got to yeah, see the captain. Yep. Uh, did you know that you can recap the games in two, five, or ten minute increments? <laughs> yes, I did see that. Neat. on that yesterday. I was like, that's great. It is sometimes great. you need... Sometimes I got time. Only two games yesterday. I can do 10-minute recaps. Sometimes, full slate of games, like tonight, well, I don't have time. No. Yeah. I can't do 10-minute recaps of all of them. Um, Flames <laughs> lose uh, 3-2 in a shootout um, to the Capitals last night. I don't think there's any question that through three games of the Flames season, 1-1-1, one, one, and one, Jacob Marstrom's been their best player, right? Yep. Any disagreement with that, Maddie? No, I don't think I do. As I look back, he was you good know, last night. He was good again yesterday. Yeah. Um, I thought Noah Especially had a like, really good game, but we've already talked about it. He didn't have a great couple games to start the season. Mm-hmm. The top line had a big goal in game number one, but they weren't the most notable. You know, Matt Coronado scored a big goal, but I thought yesterday was kind of quiet. I don't I don't know if I'd put him in that category yet. Damn, A.J. Greer didn't have the first chance of the he game didn't. again. No, nope. he didn't, unfortunately. Pick it up, A.J. Uh, <laughs> Although I did like some chips from the fourth line last night. 
I thought the fourth line chipped in. With I some, like the fourth line the way it is right now with right Yegor, now. AJ, and uh, oh god, I'm I'm drawing oh, Walker Doer. Walker Doer. Walker Doer. I forget seventy one. Um, yeah, I think I I agree. I am in agreement. Jacob Markstrom, best flame so far. And didn't we say it? If this team was going to need something to kind of yep keep the ship afloat early on in the season, especially you after betcha. watching that first game and the bit of a dumpster fire that was their defensive zone coverage, yeah. He's uh, been good. Is there anything um, that's less sexy than having the best penalty kill in the NHL? <laughs> like, I don't know. what What's... what's, what's yeah, nobody's um, talking about the best penalty kill. What's, what's a bigger turnoff? Uh, a team that wins the Jennings Trophy Aww. or the best penalty <laughs> kill in the NHL? Important and, and mark Very of good teams. But, man, um, the team that not lead, sexy. The team that leads the league in blocks? Uh, I think the Flames are up there right now. Usually, again, if you, usually if your PK is very good, you lead the yeah. team league in blocks. Yeah. Penalty kill has been great for the. It's perfect so far this season, and a big one in overtime last night too. Well, it's it's not the sexiest thing, but it's a big plus for the Flames through three games. The Flames, uh, their franchise record for most consecutive games to start a season without allowing a power play goal. Uh, they have gone twice where four games. That's it. Hmm. Okay. In 93-94, they went four games. They were 19 for 19. Wow. In 77-78, they went four games. They were 13 for 13. Yeah. Uh, In 81-82, they went three games. They were 12 for 12. And Hmm. then they are also three games in, and they are 10 for 10. So one of the major keys there, obviously, is don't get yourself shorthanded, which... um, Yeah, the Flames have done a pretty good job. Like, we talked about the too many men penalty and it's a mistake and yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But the other thing about that is, you know, they haven't had a lot of penalties that you look at and you say, that's that's just like just like a dumb penalty to take. I know you really yeah. didn't like the Dubé one in the first game, but and there's been some holds and, and that type of stuff, but it hasn't been like the egregious stuff where in it felt like last year they would just take bad penalties in the third, get themselves shorthanded, and, yeah. and even if the kill was good, you would lose all momentum. You would hand it over to the opposition in the third period, and they blow leads and lose games. So yeah, the penalty kill has been very strong um, since uh, what do I have here? Since March first, twenty twenty three, the Flames penalty kill is sixty two for sixty eight. Wow. That's 92.2%, which is like multiple points better than anybody else in the NHL. There's one other team that is at 90%, and that is the Bruins. Oh, okay. Um, Since March 1st. Sticking on the theme of special teams, do you kind of want to see a specific unit of guys and maybe stick with that on the number one? And who are those guys? So this was a note that you sent to me yesterday. Now, is that in regards to the one shift that Manjapani was with the top unit? Yeah, and then and then Kadri was on the second unit for a bit there. Well, in the third like, in the third period, they left a lot of the top unit out for most of the power play, and they yeah. only changed a couple of guys over. And right. I've got no problem with keeping your top guys out there for longer when you're on the power play. Mm-hmm. That's fine for me. Um, the Manjapani switch. I don't know what the Flames saw if they really didn't like what Matt Coronado was doing. He did lose a battle on the power play previously against the wall, which led to a clear after the Flames had finally gotten set up. Um, so I was wondering if that was that. But then he was back out with them for the final power play they had in the game. So it was obviously just like a one-time hey learning moment there. Manjapani's going top unit this time. Later in the game, he was right back out there. I don't have a problem with it. I think they're trying to find their way right now. I think that when you go up against a penalty kill like Washington's, which is so aggressive, 
Like the amount of times that they basically just forced the Flames into a corner of the offensive zone and, and they basically were just submitted the puck to the opposition and got cleared. That's a good penalty kill to face early on in the season because it starts to build urgency with your group. Mm-hmm. And at times early on in seasons, I don't think that a lot of these top units have enough urgency on their power play. I know what you mean. You'd like to keep the same guys together. I think there was a teaching moment. That was the main part that the power play units got kind of switched up. So I don't really have a problem with how they're deploying their players when they're getting the man advantage. Um, I just thought they struggled with some of the aggressive play from the Capitals yesterday. They obviously do get the one power play goal with Dylan Dubé on the nice deflection. And and that's kind of how you have to expose opposition. Like Noah Hannafin had a couple of really nice passes. Rasmus Sanderson did as well. You have to be able to flip the ice so that the aggressive PK gets kind of stuck out in no man's land. Um, I just thought it was one of those things where early on in the season, Caps PK was uh, looking really good, and they could have a really good year. Well, again, maybe I'm a little too harsh on the power play because of last night's game, but you look at the, and it's super early, it's only three games into the season, Mm. but Flames' eighth best power play in the NHL. That's pretty good. And that goes to my take that if they're not in the top 12, they'll miss the playoffs. (laughs) They're not going to miss the playoffs. You just like that arbitrary number I I, picked? It's so arbitrary, and like there's no history to back up like a top 12 power play gets you in the league. I'm just saying. Last year, only eight teams of the top 12 got into the Mm. dance, so it is what it is. Um, One of my biggest things for the PK, uh, for the power play, you got to get a little bit better on that first draw. I feel like a lot of power plays this year has started with a clear for the opposition and then you have to work your way back up the ice, which the Flames are still working at. Like, Jonathan Huberto is doing something new on the power play this year that he hasn't really done before, and that is leading the rush with Elias Lindholm when they have cleared and they have to try and get possession back. Huberto is typically the guy who's got his butt stapled to the blue line up on the left side boards. Yeah. Now he's kind of working up the ice with Lindholm, and there's been some times where he hasn't been totally clean, Um but that's a new role for him and something that he hasn't done. Like, I remember when he came to Calgary, asked him about it because that's what Gaudreau would do. And Huberto didn't do that at all when he was back in Florida. So it's something he's working at. That's the one thing that I would like to see improved on the power play is maybe their entries. But even yesterday, I thought they actually did a pretty good job. Um. All right. Uh, Flames and Sabres Thursday. So they're playing a back-to-back, then three and four. So they're in Buffalo on Thursday, in Columbus on Friday, in Detroit on Sunday. So busy, busy weekend for the Calgary Flames. Um, before we go, yep, uh, we did this yesterday. Um, our locks of the day or the evening. Brought to you from our good friends at uh, Calgary Lock and Safe. Um, hunting season is back. It's back, Alberta. Be safe out there. Visit sportsnet.ca slash 960 and enter for your chance to win a bronze 16 rifle gun safe. Lock of the day. We all went one and one yesterday for our locks of the day. I uh, I said Matt Coronado over three and a half shots. He ended up with three. So close. And he missed the net a couple times. I'm like, yeah. oh, come on, Coronado. Oh, that one in the slot. I was like, like, come oh, on. Here it is. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Somebody's got a shot prop on you, my man. Come on. Uh, but uh, the one I did get right was uh, Ireland was going to have at least a 2 nothing lead over Gibraltar mm. in your qualifying. They, they won 4-0. Really I, got, I got a spicy one for you today. Mm. Oh, God. Uh, Denmark 
takes on San Marino mm. in Euro qualifying. Uh, San Marino, the campaign is not going well for them. Oh, too bad. Uh, they're 0-7 so far in the campaign. Mm-hmm. They have yet to score. They haven't won since 2004, by the way. Oh, in a, in a Euro in a Euro in all match? in all games, San Marino hasn't won since. And World Cup qualifying, and they they sit two hundred seventh out of two hundred seven in FIFA rankings. They're the worst team, yeah. worst men's football team on the planet. Uh, they they host uh, Denmark today. Oh, Denmark doesn't have stars on it. Uh, Denmark will be up at least three nothing at the half. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right on. There you go. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for us, Matty? Uh, I have a couple of them here for you. For my first one, uh, I am going to... Well, for both of them, I'm going to get over the ice. Uh, we're going to start with the Predators and the Oilers game. I'm going to say lock today. Oilers going to score a power play goal. Okay. Predators have been shorthanded 13 times through three games. They've allowed four power play goals already. Uh, and this Oilers power play, I don't think we need to explain too much about them. Uh, they roll. So, yes, I'm going to say the Oilers are going to score a power play goal against the Preds today. Okay. Patrick? Uh, we'll go to game two of the NLCS between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. I believe Merrill Kelly will not make it out of the third <laughs> inning this <Ooh>. evening. <laughs> 35-year-old KG vet. That's spicy. That's Poor guy. Uh, GVP, you had the boldest of bold calls yesterday, calling the Bryce Harper ding-dong. What mm-hmm. do you got for us today? Uh, it's not as bold today. I'm going to go to Tampa and Buffalo. I'm going to take the total combined goals for that over six and a half. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to take. Oh. Say that again, GVP. Uh, Tampa Bay and Buffalo uh, combined total goals over six and a half. Hey, you know what? He took it his first one. There you uh, go. He's stealing he, my thunder he's, right now. That was mine. Okay, then I'm gonna I'm gonna Sorry. I'm gonna piggyback on that because that was my I literally told the guys I was gonna yeah, take the total. You did. I'm gonna take the Sabres team total over three and a half today. Against Jonas Johansson. Yes, Jonas yeah. Johansson and his four oh seven goals against and his eight eighty nine save percentage. Mm. I'm gonna say the Sabres score at least four goals tonight at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Matty. All right. Last one. I'm going to go to uh, Winnipeg. Mm. Jets, Kings. You know what we love, George? We Ooh. love ourselves a good revenge game. Vindication game. I'm going Gabe Velarde going to find the back of the net oh, tonight. Oh, nice. you were going to go Pierre-Luc no, Dubois. No, Pierre-Luc Dubois is probably going to be held off the score sheet. Just that would be my guess there. I'm going to go Gabe Velarde. Back of the net. Wow. Dude had a hell Not of a Aya season follow? with the Kings last year. No, Velarde's a top-line player, and Aya follows a, a bottom line. Initially, what I was going to do is that the parts that Winnipeg got in the trade would have more points than what L.A. got in the trade, but that's like three versus one, and I straight-up think Velarde can do it himself. So I'm going to do Velarde. Going to score tonight as uh, the Jets welcome the Kings. Okay, Patrick? Uh, we'll, we'll stick in Winnipeg. Uh, Mark Shifley will score in a third straight game. <laughs> to open the season. Okay. And uh, GVP? Uh, I'm going to go back to that Edmonton-Nashville game. I'm going to think uh, Edmonton picks up their first one of the season. They went oh, out right. a little money line action. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. There's some locks. Uh, visit sportsnet.ca and enter for your chance to win a bronze 16-gun rifle. For Calgary Lock and Safe, hunting season is back, Alberta. Be safe out there. Yes, sir. What do you got coming up on Mucho Big Show? Uh, we'll uh, talk some NFL. Going to uh, talk with Matt Marchese. Maybe figure out what the heck the Leafs are up to and uh, and whatnot. They still haven't figured out a goal song. It's the third game in a row they've changed their goal song. Oh, my so, goodness. Uh, figure something out there.
They didn't like the first one because lyrics, the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And it was the lyrics, the content, mm. even though they didn't play that part of the song, just the content of the song. Right. It, it made some ma- people mad. Okay. That's great. Uh, follow yeah. us on uh, social media, I guess, if you want to. What's your Twitter handle, Manny? Matt Rose YYC. Yeah, you should follow Matty. Um, you can follow me, but I don't, I don't tweet that much. I probably should tweet more. Mm-hmm. Eh. But I just, mm. I just hate it so much. Sometimes I just can't do it. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Remember, get your favorite podcatcher. Check out the podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll play Impossible Flames trivia. Uh, we talking to Eric Francis tomorrow? Yes, we will. Uh, we'll see where he is in Buffalo. Where in the world is Eric Francis tomorrow? We'll talk to the franchise tomorrow. Dave Dickinson on a must win for the Calgary Flames. Oh, Calgary Flames. Calgary Stampeders. It's always a must win for the Calgary Flames. And we'll talk to Dave Dickinson <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, have a terrific Tuesday, even though it's rainy. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.